The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love. But our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom, is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. What's up, Podcast Nation? We're diving right in today. So as you start, as you found out, we just started straight at the intro and going right into the podcast because there's a lot of good stuff we want to go over today and let's just dive right into it. Um, but yesterday I talked about how to run effective sales meetings. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. But specifically what I went over is we need to focus more on practicing than just talking. We, Especially as sales managers, we have such an ego and we love hearing the sound of our own voice. And we need to stop that tendency. We need to listen to our reps and have them practice. Because again, if you're a sales manager or helping coach other reps or, or a company owner, your goal is not to make money off of your sales. The goal is to make money by helping duplicate your efforts. And you can't duplicate your efforts by sitting there talking all the time. And I see that every salesman I go to, almost without exception, is the owner or the leader or the manager or the trainer gets up there and they talk, 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 talk. And in sports, can you imagine a coach getting up there for practice and just talking the whole practice? No, it'd be crazy. You got to get up there. You got to get the people practicing and give them real feedback and coaching. And that's what I want to go over today is how to give good feedback. And I remember there was a specific instance where this really like hit me on, on the importance of good feedback. I'd been in sales for a couple of years and I just moved or transferred to a new office. And one of the first meetings there, the manager gets up and says, okay, let's, let's practice our pitches which is a good thing, right? And I'm guessing this uh, this next story is probably how your pitch practice plays out. And to, to give you a hint or be a, a spoiler alert here is if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, you don't have an edge. You don't have an advantage. You're not making it special. You're not having, you're not providing extra value. And that is what's going to eat you alive in the marketplace. So if, if you're doing your sales meetings like this, you're doing it wrong. I'm just going to say it out there. I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to be <laughs> offensive. You're doing it wrong because this is this is not the way to run an effective coaching, sales meeting, training, or, or practice. All right? So w- this is what happened. So the first, the manager said, hey, let's get up there and, and give our pitches. So everybody, so one person was the homeowner and one person was the, the door knocker, right? They knock on the wall and then the person would give their pitch, do the whole pitch through. And then everybody would give their feedback, right? One person would be like, well, you should do this. You should do that, do that. And then the next person got up and did their pitch. And then everybody gave feedback. Okay, there's a couple problems. Well, one, guys, this is the easy route where someone doesn't think. They just always got to practice. And so we're going to get up there. And, and a few people are going to pitches. We'll give feedback. And, and da, 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 da. so here's the problem with that. So one, you don't, you're, you're thinking everybody in the room is an expert. If you're allowing everybody in the room to get feedback, Sorry, that's just a dumb idea because there's some people that suck at sales. They're new, they're training. It's not that they can't get better. It's just at the very moment they're a novice. So you wouldn't like go to an NCAA college football team and someone that's in middle school football go in there and try to coach these college players. Like they might do that as like an exercise to make the middle schooler feel good. But in all reality, that's not how it works because 
they already they're better at the the game than the middle schoolers, so they're not going to get coaching from him. That just doesn't make any sense. That's what you're doing when you have like you let novice sales reps provide coaching to people. Like, not that it's not important for them to to learn how to give coaching and feedback, but that shouldn't be done in a group setting. That should be like done in a one on one setting, in like a very controlled manner. Anyway, so that's so that's that's one. Two. Every time you give group feedback like that, you're, the people that give feedback don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And, and that's just most people. Unless you're like a good coach or trainer, you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. So they're going to give something that's like helpful but not hurtful. Okay, I'm not saying you should be like outright offensive, but you guys have been in meetings. You know what it's like. Like people are like, I, you should do this, but don't like, don't take it too seriously, right? Like anytime it's that kind of feedback, that's not effective, all right? So that, so what's an effective way to give feedback? So I'm going to give you some steps to have effective feedback. So write these down, use these, and you'll notice a drastic, like a drastic impact in how you get results in others. All right. Again, because I think, well, I would want to mention a lot of times we think we can't control others ability to get results. Like, no, if you're a coach or trainer, that is your job. Like your job is to get wins. Your job is to help others make, make others better. If you if you don't take ownership for that, then you've already lost, okay? So you have to understand, you have to be able to get results through other people. If you don't, you'll never be an effective manager or business owner, okay? You have to take ownership for that. You can't just say, well, I did it, and then they didn't do this. Like, that that's someone that doesn't take ownership. Like, I trained them, I told them what to do, and they didn't do it. Like, that's that's you justifying your failures and, and copying out, Okay. You have to take ownership because their results are directly tied to your ability to coach. And that's probably the first step is taking ownership. Okay. The, so for number one, first thing, you have to have people that are actually good at the job coaching. All right. Or have done, have produced results. And I said this in the last podcast, but again, this is going to come off as offensive for you. And I'm not saying there's not a place to teach new people how to coach. There are times and moments where you're teaching people how to coach. But when you're actually coaching a rep, if you haven't got results in that thing, if you don't know how to do that skill set, then shut up and don't say anything. Like there's no, like if, if you're trying to teach someone to climb a mountain and you've never climbed the mountain, you have no place to say anything. And so it's the same with sales. If you, if you're not a consistent top leader in sales and you're trying to coach other people, you're gonna like you're gonna coach the wrong thing because you haven't walked that path. You haven't done that that skill set. Now I'm not saying you have to be an expert. You don't have to be the top in the field, but you have to have at least walk the path. You have to have gone where you've gone, and so that's one of the hardest things. Coaching is some people want to be coaches or experts or gurus or whatever, but they haven't actually walked the path or done like done the thing they're supposed to. They're asking other people to do. Ugh, so frustrating. So that's the first thing. Second thing, and these first two things are like, well, I guess the first is take ownership, but um, these first two like skill sets are, are things that just like the groundwork, the foundation. So number one, walk where they've walked, right? You have to have, to have actually done what they're, you're asking them to do. Not necessarily perfectly, but you have to have done it well. Number two is record, 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 record. Again, relating this to professional athletics, they record everything, and they give coaching on that. That's the only way someone can step outside themselves and see if they're doing something right or wrong. And that's the same in sales or any type of training. You have to record what the person's doing. 
So that person can step back and look and see what they're doing right and wrong from another party's perspective, from a third party. That's the amazing gift of what these phones we have are. We can always record. We can always rewatch what we're doing. And that's going to be a better feedback loop than almost anything you can do. All right. So those are the two things to start out with. If you have those, if you're just, if you start out with that, your, your likelihood of success in coaching skyrockets. All right. That, that's the base. All right. Now let's get into the specifics of when we're actually coaching. First, you have to be what I call lovingly blunt, right? My the, the funny story. So <laughs> growing up, we would go to these beauty pageants. Um, I'm sure you had them. They don't call them beauty pageants anymore. They call them like scholarship funds or I don't know. They call they try to like junior miss or whatever. They try to like they try to get around it. It's a beauty pageant. Like I, I don't care what politically correct terminology you try to wrap it in. It's still a beauty pageant. But we would go to these these when I was younger, and I remember um, my mom. Like some some bless their heart. Some some of those young girls get up there and they're they're struggling. <laughs> and I remember my mom would just be like, "What mother allowed their girl to get up there?" And I was like, what do you mean, mom? And she goes, it's just, and you guys get, it. again, I'm not saying you shouldn't get up there and try. I'm not saying you shouldn't like give it your all, but you got, you, got, you, you know, some people get on stage to show their talent and it's really kind of embarrassing. And it was probably better if someone said something before they got up there on stage and practiced um, or did the flute when they couldn't really play the flute or sung when they couldn't hold the tune. And my mom was basically saying the mother should have helped that girl find a different talent that wasn't so embarrassing or, or, or had the gumption, have, have the love to say, hey, this is going to be embarrassing for you. It's probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. And let's do something else. Um, you have different talents, right? But some moms are just like, they, they don't have enough, they don't, they're not brave enough, they don't have enough courage to tell their, their daughter not to do it. And they get up there and it's really embarrassing. Um, again, not that you shouldn't try, not that you shouldn't put yourself out there. Uh, but there's plate, there's, Everybody has different talents and different strengths. And that's the same with sales is a lot of times what I've noticed in sales meetings is someone could be up there and doing a skill horribly, but not, but there's no one with enough courage to tell them that that's the wrong way of doing things. And so they just say, oh, that's okay. That's good. You could do it that way. And they're, they're nice about it, but they're not blunt. And they don't, that's because they don't really care about the person. If you really, really care if you truly care about this person's success, you're going to tell them what they're doing right and you're going to tell them what they're doing wrong and you're not going to be afraid about it, right? So for example, when someone's up there pitching and this is the biggest thing you need to do, when someone's up there practicing, whatever skill they're practicing, you need to stop them when they do something wrong. Don't let them finish the dang pitch unless it's like a 10 second practice. Don't stop them like two seconds in. But if it's like a five minute practice, and they do something at the very beginning wrong, don't let them go through the whole thing without trying to correct them. I do this sometimes and people are like, that's so rude to stop them mid-pitch. I'm like, okay, if you were, again, bringing up college athletics, if you were teaching someone a layup and they started their layup wrong, they're going to finish wrong. And so it's a disservice to let me have this person consistently t- doing the wrong thing from the beginning and then finish wrong. It's better to teach them how to do it right from the, the very first few steps so they finish right. That's with any skill. And so with, with sales, if someone screws up, 
call him out on it in a loving way. Don't call, be, don't deride him and belittle him, but be like, Hey, you did that part wrong. This is what it looks like. If you do it right, do it again. And then they are getting the skill set right from the beginning. It's okay to interrupt them. That's what coaching is. If you go to any athletic coaching, like any, like football, basketball, baseball, whatever, as soon as the moment someone does something wrong, the coach steps in there, gives them feedback, shows them how to do it right, and then they start from start from there. Don't let them do the whole practice. If the more you practice wrong, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. All right, and that's so important in sales training. So. The first step is be lovingly but and and start the coaching when they need it, not not after they need it. All right. So I've gone over a ton today, but let's let's go over it, what we've reviewed and how to how to effectively coach. All right. First, experts give advice, not novices. All right. You have to be an at least have walked the path. Number two, record, 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 record. Watching tape is how you get better. Number three, you have to be lovingly blunt. And you have to call people out on their mistakes when they make mistakes so they can perfect practice, all right? And last, teach people to self-coach by helping them watch the non-verbals of others. All right, that's a ton of stuff today. I know you probably felt like you were eating at a fire hose, but you can go back, re-listen to this, and practice those things. I promise you, as you start to implement those skills one at a time in your coaching, magically people will start to get better results. And magically, your teams will do better because guess what? You're practicing perfect and you're getting real feedback. And people, and it's going to be hard sometimes. You're going to feel like you're offending people. But if you come back with that love afterwards, you say, hey, I'm going to just, just just call it out what it is. I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong. It's not because I hate you or trying to be literally you. It's because I know that if you do better, you're going to make more money. And at the end of the day, you want to make more money. And so if it's if it's worth a little bit of your ego getting bruised, it's, it's worth the money. The money's worth it. So practice those. Let me know how it works and keep crushing it. Lastly, and most importantly, you have to teach people how to self-coach. Now, how the heck do you teach someone to self-coach? This is what I do. Well, one, the recording helps. But two, I teach people how to read body language, right? For example, let's say we're teaching people how to introduce the contract or the agreement. And nine times out of 10, what a new sales reps will do, will say, hey, here, let's go over the contract. And every time someone says contract, you can look at a homeowner's face and they will always grimace. They'll always get like trigger shy because the word contract is has a negative connotation with it. And so you, you say, hey, let's go over, let's, let's take a quick look over the agreement. And if you say agreement, you'll notice that homeowners are less likely to get that like trigger shy look, that nonverbal. And so what I'll do is when a rep says, oh, let's look over the contract, I, well, when I stop and say, hey, well, let me explain why. We say, we say agreement versus contract because contract has a negative connotation. Agreement's a lot easier. Like there's a, there's a, a smoother tone to it. But, but, let me, but let's do this. Go back and look at the, con, the, the homeowner's face when you said contract or look at their reaction. Like they kind of flinched at contract. And that means you said something that they thought that, was, that, that made them hesitate. And you don't want that. You want them to be like, Sure, they're ready to move forward, right? So that's why you say agreement. And so if you can point, help reps recognize nonverbals in people they're, they're talking with, that's going to help them self-coach and learn which words to say, which not, when to say, what, what to say, and how to say it. And they'll be able to self-coach if they start to watch those nonverbals.